God's not dead. Let love explode and bring the dead to life. A love so bold to see a revolution somehow. Everybody sing that with us. Let love explode. Let love explode and bring the dead to life. A love so bold to see a revolution somehow. Now I'm lost in your
turn and welcome somebody. Tell me glad to see you this morning. Amen. Power that can save power in your name. 
church, y'all sing it with us. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your
It's good to see you all, and uh, thank you so much for your prayers on behalf of all of the group uh, who made the trip to Israel. Bob and Becky, if y'all will make your way to the front, and as time uh, goes by, I'm going to ask different ones who went on the trip who are willing uh, to share a moment uh, from your trip that uh, God blessed you with. And as, as they're coming, I want to thank everybody who... Um, led the services in our absence. We were privileged to be able to watch the services thanks to YouTube. Jeff, thank you for that uh, incredible opportunity that is ours when we're away from home. The youth service was wonderful. Tucker and everyone who was involved did an incredible job, and we're so thankful for that great service. And then also last week's service, uh, Harold's message and the different ones who shared a testimony. You blessed us all, and we thank you so much for sharing uh, during those two Sundays that we were away. Um, we're thankful for the opportunity that we had uh, to be together on this trip. God bonded us in some pretty powerful ways. And uh, so Jill's going to come also, and these three are going to just give you a, a moment that was special to them on the trip. Um, I think I had three moments. I know I'm only supposed to give one, but I had three. The first one was very obvious. We were baptized in the Jordan River I mean, the same water that Jesus was baptized in. How incredible that opportunity was. The second one um, was that we were able to praise and worship at so many different sites. The songs that we were able to lift up to the Lord, I want to thank John and Devin and Michael. Um, those songs will never be the same for me again, just like the Bible will never be the same for me again for that opportunity. But the most important thing I felt... Um, I really felt God's presence at the garden tomb. There are two different places where they feel that Jesus was actually buried in a tomb. Um, and this one's probably the least likely of the two that that is actually where it was, but it was quiet there. And regardless of where Jesus laid in that tomb, that situation happened. And he rose from that tomb after three days and the, the tomb and the area itself was just so peaceful to me, and I really felt like God spoke to me there. I had a couple moments. Uh, the first one was at the uh, Pool of Bethesda. Um, I had the opportunity to go with my parents, actually, went on the trip. And about a year ago, my dad was diagnosed with cancer, and uh, he was able to give his testimony about how God totally healed him. And uh, we were standing there at the Pool of Bethesda where Jesus took the man and said, what do you want? I want to be healed. And I, and I heard those words that, what do you want? God just speaking to me, what do you want? He, he asked us each day, what do you want? And he wants us to verbalize that to him. 
And then the second time was uh, we were on the Sea of Galilee, and it was a mist over the, over the sea. And as we started out on the trip, they played the national anthem, raised the, the flag on the boat, and then they played the Israeli national anthem, which is a very, it's kind of a dark, grim, dire hymn, per se. So they went out there, and then the first song that they sang is, you all have heard it, it's Bless the Lord, O My Soul. And as we began to sing and praise and worship and lift our hands, it's like the sky opened up. And we just felt God out there walking with us on that sea. And that's the exact sea that it was crazy, raging waters with the disciples. And that's the exact sea where Jesus says, Peter, come on, Peter, walk. And this was perfectly calm, and I, I just sense that God was saying, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how crazy it can be, I'm there in the storm, and I can make it calm, and I can speak to that storm. So those were the two points that were uh, pretty special to me. Well, ditto to all of that. Indescribable, the trip. Um, it was really hard to put into words. I know a couple of days we tried to um, post some pictures and just putting a caption with any of the pictures and trying to type that out um, to share on social media was even tough to um, put words to that. But um, to be a um, student of the word and to bring your scripture there to each site. And just to open God's word and know that you could write in your margin, I walked here. That was just amazing. Made the Bible come alive. And, um, sorry. One of the most impactful moments was we walked through the Via Della Rosa. And that's the, um, the way that. Jesus walked with the cross for us and um, trying to block out the crowd of people around you and the vendors trying to sell you things and um, focus on the moment of what each area meant. Um, we really had to stay in that moment and I just wanted to be in that at each station as long as I could. But one of the stations um, was the area between the first and second station was where Jesus was beaten and flogged. And just to take your scripture out and see the ground where he was beaten for you, that was, it was just moving. So that's one of my thousand moments. And um, thank y'all for this opportunity and for following Brother Ron and, and my friends, a church family there. Um, just following your earthly teacher around into those spots was wonderful, wonderful. Thank you. I want to ask you to please pray for Angela and her family. As many of you know, Brian, uh, for a little while now, has been uh, in, in a battle with uh, lung cancer, and he went home to be with the Lord just the other day. His service will be Tuesday, because I know some of you may directly connect and others may not directly connect with who he is, but Brian has been a dear brother who's been a part of our praise band for, for quite some time now. And uh, whenever welcome time goes on, I always walk down the line and, 
and speak to everybody and, and shake hands or give a hug. And, and every time I would come to Brian and I would reach out my hand to shake his hand, he'd say, I want a hug. And as he would hug me, he'd say, I love you, Brother Ron. And uh, I just thank the Lord for the privilege that has been mine to know him and uh, to know him in this context and how much he enjoyed being a part of, of the music ministry of this church. Uh, we're thankful for all the talent God has blessed us with, but we'll definitely miss uh, Brian being a part of that rotation. But, but anyway, you can uh, be praying for him. The service will be Tuesday here at the church. Uh, the praise team and band will be sharing in that service. And uh, visitations at 3 o'clock and his service is at 4 o'clock. And again, pray for Angela and, and all their family. Let's pray together. Father, we do pray for Brian's family. We thank you so much for his friendship through the years, for his partnership and the things that you have called us to as we gather here with our family from week to week. Um, be with them, walk with them. And Lord, Lord others who have uh, suffered losses this week, uh, we pray that you would be with the families who are hurting today, that you would walk with them and that your peace would settle on them, Lord because we know you are with us in ways that go beyond sometimes what we can get hold of. Uh, today, I pray that you would be with all of us as we turn to your word, and we pray, Lord, that your living presence would be uh, felt in, in, in the life of every person here. Uh, because, Lord, again, it's, it's not our intention to come here and just talk about you. Lord, we want to meet with you. We want to open our lives to you because we believe you are the resurrected Savior. We know that you're not in that tomb. We know, Lord, that you walk with us and you talk with us along life's way. And so today we pray that you would be so gracious and merciful as to let us know that presence in these moments. Uh, Lord, whenever we gather in your name, we pray that we would be sensitive to what it is that you are doing in our midst and what it is that you're saying uh, to us as, as those who are made in your image. We love you and we thank you for your goodness and for your salvation. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I didn't know what my moment would be this time. And I really didn't think that uh, this is my second opportunity. And I didn't think that it would necessarily be a repeated moment. But it ended up one of my moments. There are two in particular on this trip. One of them was a repeated moment. And I, I guess I should have known so. But when we went into the Church of the Holy Sepulcher, and, and that is the site that um, is most gathered to by, by scholars and historians that this is likely the place. But like Becky said, when you go to the Garden Tomb, which is a, a site that was later held up as a possibility for the, for the resurrection and, and, and for the, the crucifixion of Jesus, um, when you go to the Garden Tomb, it's peaceful. When, um, when, when you go to the garden tomb, our, our tour guide said, if you could just hang on to what you feel in this place and carry it with you when you go to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which is uh, inside the, the walls of the city now, but would have been outside the walls in Jesus' day, she said, that's most likely the place, but it would have been more like the garden tomb uh, place. And so we tried to hold on to that, but when we went to the uh, Church of the Holy Sepulchre, there was a crowd. Oh, wow, there were so many people. And uh, not all of them were as nice as all of us from South Carolina. Amen. <laughs> Give God glory. And uh, boy, they were pushing on us, and I'm not going to name anybody, but one of our people got real with one of their people, if you know what I'm saying. 
But as we're in that place and, and you go up a, a, a steep, narrow staircase, it didn't dawn on me last time, it really registered with me this time. When you go up those stairs, you are climbing Golgotha's hill. It's all inside of a, of a Catholic cathedral now, but you are actually climbing up. And I think the reason my attention was drawn to it this time is because uh, Madeline, our tour guide, said, now when you get up to where the cross is, um, you will notice in the stone that, would, that is Golgotha that there is a deep crevice. And historians believe that is the scar of the earthquake that happened when Jesus died. And my attention was not drawn to that last time. It may have been mentioned, but I wasn't drawn to it, and this time I was. And when I got there beside of the place that is marked with ornamental uh, decoration where the cross would have rested, but when I got to that place where there was that crevice in the rock, my soul was, was touched. And, um, and when you kneel down, you have to kind of, you have to, really get down on all fours and kind of crawl up underneath where this place is. And, lay, and when I laid my hand where Jesus died on the cross for our sins, I was overtaken by such mercy that He would, who knew no sin, would give His life for me. I deserve the cross. He didn't. But He became death for us that we might know His life. And I thanked Him in that moment. I said, oh Jesus, thank You so much for laying down on that cross and giving Your life for me. And Lord, thank You for allowing faith to be born in me. That I would come to embrace the cross. That I would come to kneel at the cross and, and accept the salvation that was offered by the shedding of Your blood. And it was a powerful moment in my life. But there was another moment that took me completely by surprise. And I'll, I'll be honest, I shared some of this with, with Wednesday Bible study, and y'all, that's not the message. Here's the message I had planned for today. And God said, uh-uh, that ain't it. A lot of times on Wednesday, I'll, I'll bring a word, and, and, I, and, and, and the, those who participate on Wednesday... And some of, some of y'all have said this who are in here this morning. Brother Ron, you need to preach that on Sunday. Well, you're getting your wish. Because this was the moment of all moments for me on this trip. The last time we did not go to the place that's called Peter's Precipice. That great divide, if you will, between his denial and his reinstatement. That place where, where Jesus was on the shore and he cooked a breakfast of fish and bread for them. Remember that story from John 21? Jesus has died on the cross. He's resurrected. He's appeared to them, but they are still living in the shadows of how different things are. The disciples are living in the shadows of how different things are since the crucifixion of, of their Master. I mean, listen, they were with Him day and night, man. Every step of the way. And now He's not with them all the time as He had been. And Peter makes an announcement to his brothers who are gathered with him in the shadows, and he says, I'm going fishing. Now understand, when Peter said, I'm going fishing, it, it would not be like somebody calling me this week and say, hey, Brother Ron, you want to go fishing? 
That, that would be very recreational in, in, in nature, hopefully productive, and hopefully I would catch a bigger fish than my partner and all of that that goes with being a fisherman. But when Peter said, I'm going fishing, he meant I'm going back to life as it was before Jesus. I'm done with all of this. I give up. And so him and, and some of his buddies, the other disciples, went to this place on the northern end of the Sea of Galilee. And they went fishing. They fished all night long. And they look when morning dawns and there's this, there's this man up on the shore. They're about 100 yards out from the shore, according to John's uh, description of the event. You can look at it in, in John 21. As a matter of fact, let me read it. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to His disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Ever had a night like that? Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. For several months now, God has been using a variety of passages of Scripture to impress upon me, I got you. And I've been sharing that with you, right? I love you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to get you safely to the place that I've prepared for you. I've got you. As we were there on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and our guide was talking to us. We read this passage of Scripture there, and then she was talking with us about the passage and its meanings. The day before, when we were on our way to Caesarea Philippi, which is in northern Galilee, she pointed out a spot to us and said there's a, a sect of, of, of Jewish people who live there and have lived there for centuries, and they are experts in numerology. They study the, the numerical meanings of, of the Hebrew language and how it pertains to the truth of Scripture. And she told us some about that. 
And we went on our way, and nothing else was said that day. But this day, while we're there on the shore, she said, have you ever wondered why it says 153 fish? And a number of us said, yeah, we wondered. We've noticed that it's there. I mean, it's a part of the biblical record. But, and, and you've wondered at times, why, why did John write down that it was 153 large fish? Why, why did he? I get large, okay? Because I used to fish with a man uh, that his reputation was, Whenever he went fishing, he caught a Pepsi-Cola bottle full of fish and a whole lot of little ones besides. So I get that, you know, it was, a, somebody goes, how big was that fish you caught? Oh, it was, <laughs> yeah. um, I get them saying large fish, but 153, what is that all about? Madeline said, if you take the Hebrew characters that add up to 153, they can be arranged to make this statement. I am the Lord. And she wrote those characters in Aaron's Bible and in, in Michael's Bible. When she said that those characters add up to I am the Lord, my emotions welled up within me. I, y'all, I was crying like a baby. And several of my partners came over and put their, are you okay? And I said, I'm overcome. I'm, I'm just overwhelmed. How much God is in the details even if they didn't understand in that moment that 153 in in Hebrew characters would spell out the phrase, I am the Lord, God knew it. And God brought it to our awareness while we were on this trip. And the Lord said to me all over again, Ron, I want you to know that I am in every detail of your life. I am in every detail of all of the lives of the people that I have created in my image. I'm doing more than you can even begin to understand. It could have been 120 fish. It could have been 110 fish. It could have been 170 fish. It could have been 200 fish. It was 153 fish. And it just so happens those characters can be arranged to spell out, I am the Lord. When you go to the book of Psalms over and over again, it talks about the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And and Psalms is a, a bit redundant in using that phraseology, the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And what's God saying? God's saying, I made it all, I know how to take care of it all. I remember... Uh, had a TV that when you would, it, we'd had it a while, when you would turn it on, uh, it would go click, 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 and, and then it would come on. And it's like, what in the world? And uh, I, didn't, I didn't know what to do about it, but I, I went, I was getting into Google back then. It's been some years ago, and I, was, and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to go in there and type. What do I type? I, I typed what I just told you. When I turn on my TV, a Samsung 36-inch uh, or whatever it was, it, it goes click, 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 and then it comes on. And I want you to know there were pages that recognized what I wrote. And so I start clicking through them, and I found there were a number of YouTubes. YouTube's incredible. I mean, it really is. So I went and I clicked on a YouTube, and I'm listening to this guy, and he's all technical, and I'm thinking, I don't even know what he's talking about. 
So I just kept going through the YouTubes and I found, I found a lady who explained with a video going how to fix the TV. Would need a soldering iron. I didn't have a soldering iron. And she took care of that. She said, if you don't have a soldering iron, go, go to Radio Shack and ask for this. And it was a capacitor that was out. Ask for this capacitor. Oh, and you're going to need a little tool that will extract the solder uh, that, that you're, you melt that needs to be removed. Blah, blah. She told me every. I went to Radio Shack. I spent about $12. I came back home, started the video uh, where she's actually repairing the TV, and I fixed that TV for like 12 bucks. And she said on the video, if you were to take this into a repair shop, it would be at least blah, blah, blah. Incredible. Just detailed account about how to take care of that situation. And what I'm saying to you is it is amazing how God is in the details. What is happening in your life that you haven't given to Him? And why are you waiting? Psalm 120 verse 1 says, I took my troubles to the Lord, I cried out to Him, and He answered my prayer. And some of my prayers don't get answered because I don't get around to praying them. Oh, can you say amen? Have you ever been there? I don't know what to do about this. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I took my troubles to the Lord. I cried out to Him and He answered my prayer. 153 fish. God is in the details. He knows everything about us, everything that's going on. He knows about the good. He knows about the bad. He knows about that which we are celebrating. He knows about that which causes us to mourn this morning. God knows everything that's happening in our lives. And even when we get to the place that we just give up, we don't know what else to do. And we just take... Uh, uh, an opportunity to escape from it all, even then he shows up, like he did in this story. He shows up just to say, I care about everything about you. And I know how to take care of whatever your need is. Have you caught anything, he asked them? Been fishing all night and hadn't caught a thing. Cast your nets on the right side. And as soon as they did, they caught so many large fish they couldn't haul the net in. God had me bring this word this morning that was my most moving moment on the trip because there's somebody here that needs to give it to the Lord. There's something happening in somebody's life that you needed to hear, God knows all about it. And He knows what to do about it. You take another pill and it'll just make you more dull. 
You try to run away and it just follows after you. Somebody here. Do you hear him? He's saying, I got you. I love you. I gave my life for you. There's nothing I wouldn't do to save you. Would you bow and just allow for some... Reflection and privacy. If you're here this morning and there's something you want to give to the Lord, I, I will not be able to, to remember everybody that raised a hand or even have the opportunity to, to register every hand that's raised. But here's the deal. It's not about me seeing it. It's about you knowing God sees you. It's a, it's a confession that, Lord, I hear you. It, it's like Peter jumping out of the boat and, and running to shore before they had opportunity to bring the haul of fish in. It, it's, Lord, I hear you. This doctor said, well, if you don't do anything, this is how long you'll be here, and it wasn't long three months to a year. But if you take the treatments, you've got a year to three years. Brother Jerry, affectionately known by our group as number eight, we all had our number. We numbered off when we got on the bus. Number eight told the doctor, he said, uh, that medicine you would give me, it, It'll make me pretty sick, won't it? And he said, yeah, it'll make you really sick. He said, I don't want to be sick. So i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm not going to take your medicine. I'm going to take Jesus. I'm going to give it to the Lord. We walked an average of five miles a day, and over the course of the week, walked 89 flights of step. And Jerry was with us every step of the way. I would say... Jesus has taken good care of him, wouldn't you? Trust me. I'm telling you, God's in the details. Nothing escapes him. I cried to the Lord, and he heard my prayers and answered me. Lord, we give you our lives this morning, and we pray for your your miraculous touch to be realized in everything that's happening with each and every one of us. I never knew 153 fish could have to do with the detail that you were saying, I am the Lord. You know how to catch fish. You know how to heal blindness. You know how to restore crippled legs. Lord, you know how to save a soul. You know how to change our affections for good. You know, Lord, how to help us to receive the grace that not only allows us to be forgiven, but gives us the power to forgive others who have trespassed against us. There's nothing that you cannot do. 
you are the Lord. And because you are the Lord, we lay our lives in your hands. Have your way, please. Give me eyes to see more of who you are. May what I behold still my anxious heart.
Spent my life to know 